Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team. Swing high from ball, built to right center, and the Braves have won it! There's a new home run champion of all time, and it's Henry Aaron. A walk-off homer from Freeman, and the Braves win it! Welcome, everybody, to this week's edition of Behind the Braves, the official podcast of the Atlanta Braves. I'm Ricky Mast, Atlanta Braves Digital Media Content Manager, virtually via Zoom, alongside Director of Braves Alumni Relations, Greg McMichael. And man, oh man, it is, uh, the, these are some exciting times here in Atlanta, throughout Braves country, and at, Bre- at, at Brewers Park. We just beat the Brewers, so I guess there was a little... <laughs> there was uh, a lot of brew flowing there. <laughs> well, I was going to say, if you noticed, our voices sound a little... T- well, I'll speak for me. My voice is a little tired because... I think I think I'm still recovering from the after party after game four. Uh, the uh, we had a little front office celebration up in Terrapin Tap Room here at uh, Truist Park, and uh, there may or may not be a picture of me floating around on social media. <laughs> I'm not oh, really. I'm dressed in a suit, uh, wow. but I have a big cigar in my mouth and holding three beers in my hand. And I am here to tell you, I'll have to look for that. I, I wasn't just a, uh, those weren't just beers. I just picked up for the visual effect of it. Those were all my beers. I mean, I was double fisting. I was triple fisting. Yes. So, so yes, we were extremely excited that, that the NLDS was amazing game four. I can't even you folks that have listened to us on this show for the last three years, over three years now have heard me talk about how I think the best game or best moment, at least I've been at in person or witnessed live as far as the Braves go was Ronald Acuna grand slam uh, in, in 2018 and the, and the division clinch that year as well. Game four of the 2021 NLDS tops all of those for me. Mm-hmm. I, if you're watching on TV, you had to have felt it. The ballpark is the most electric I've ever seen Truist Park. And my goodness, our superstar with an eighth inning home run off of, if not the best relief pitcher in baseball, easily one of the best. Uh, you just can't, I mean, you just can't script it any better than that. And now we get to go in the NLCS. And uh, I, I just, I'm sure if you're out there listening, you're ecstatic. And uh, we are too here on this side. Yeah, I was at the game front row. In the terrace level, my wife and I, and we just had a great time that whole game. Of course, both games were super exciting and just 
being there part of that. There's not a whole lot of times where I'm actually in the stands watching the game, but the playoffs. And I remember that 2018, I was in the stands watching. That was amazing. But then being there for this series and being able to do it off somebody like Josh Hader and the one before that you talked about was against Walker Bueller. And uh, it's just those moments are, are really, they stay with you for a while. And of course, I have my own memories as a player, but then as a fan and working for the organization, I'm, I'm, I'm rebuilding some of those memories. So I love it. And I love being a part of these, these playoffs and watching this team. Of course, you know, we all have a vested interest because we've been talking about them all year. We've been there for the ups and downs. And so really understand how the fans living and, and what they might have gone through in the 90s watching us. But but now being a fan and, and watching this team and really pulling for them because they've done such a great job of reinventing themselves. And then now to see them start to flourish and go on to this uh, NLCS against hopefully the, you know, we'll find out tonight. And and um, I don't know, I, I, I'm always a big believer in home field advantage. So even though I'd like to really play the Giants and, I just I know how important home field home field advantage is. So I'm hoping the Dodgers win. They come here tired and we we face them on Saturday and we got to play a one o'clock game <laughs> against the yeah. Dodgers. No, I don't know when it'll be. That. It'll probably be like a five o'clock game or four o'clock game and and then uh, the other team at night. So anyway, we'll see. But I'm I'm, I'm really pulling for the Dodgers tonight. I'll, I'll be tickled either way. Uh, I think I love. I love this team's chances, regardless of who we face. I will say there is a bit of a narrative out there or a belief, if you will, that like, well, and our guest on the, on the today show touches on this a little bit, but I'll, I'll put it a different way. It's like, if you're to get to the top of the mountain, you got to slay the dragon, that kind of thing. And the Dodgers uh, have been that team for us over really uh, the last decade or however long it's been. Uh, I mean, it's every year, it seems like they're the ones that, we have a chance at it, they get us. So if we're going to make it the whole way to, to beat the Dodgers, I think would be extra sweet. And to your point, well, we get to have home field advantage and look what I was just talking about with that, the, the excitement of game four and game three, as you said, that energy, it's like my best friend back home. He's a, he's a back home in Virginia. He's a big Baltimore Orioles fan and big sports fan across the board. So he's been to a lot of sporting events, be it, NFL, MLB, college football. I mean, he's been to a lot. And he will still tell me to this day that the best sporting event he's ever been at in person was he got to go to, I think, one a couple Orioles playoff games back when they were they were good. I'm going to say it was around 2013, 14, somewhere in there. And he told oh, me. I thought you were going to say 1977. No, no, we're not. <laughs> I'm older, but I'm not that old. Um, no, but he, he he told me, he talked about being in the ballpark for that. And he goes, you know, if you could just, if you could bottle up that energy, mm-hmm. postseason baseball game and and sell it, he's like, you, you'd be a millionaire. You could sell that thing for, for a million dollars a pop just because that energy you just, of postseason baseball, you can't replicate it. So I say all that to say this. If you haven't gotten to experience a postseason game before or you weren't at the NLDS, there are still some tickets available for the LCS, whether that's games one and two or the three, four, five games. Braves.com slash postseason. Go there now and get your tickets. You won't regret it. I promise you that. So yeah, come yeah. on out and hang out with me and Greg here at uh, at 
during the National League Championship Series. <laughs> As if coming to a National League Championship Series wasn't enough. Wasn't yes, enticing exactly. enough. Exactly. Just come hang out with me and Greg. Yeah, there's there's <laughs> extra, extra carrot for you to come on. Come on out. Well, listen, we uh, we were talking about this just before we started recording the intro here. We couldn't have scripted that uh, game four any better. We also couldn't have scripted uh, this week's guests any better. Perfect, perfect timing. Recurring guests of Behind the Braves. You know him, you love him. Braves broadcaster, longtime Braves outfielder, Jeff Francoeur, uh, joining us here today. And man, he is, um, uh, you know, he has really elevated his broadcasting game too in a short amount of time. And I don't mean that he started in a bad place. It's just he's really not even been a full-time baseball broadcaster that long. He hadn't even been out of the game that long as a player. And now he's already getting to call some national games in the postseason. And I think that's a credit to just how good he is and how good he's become uh, at his at his craft, his new craft. So, boy, we just – that was it was – you and I were kind of hoping at the beginning of this week, we were talking about, all right, this week's show – Let's hope we win. We think we will. Let's hope we win the series. And if we can, boy, wouldn't it be great to get Frenchy on? And he's he's the best, isn't he? He just he got back to you and was like, yeah, sure. Yeah, he's he's been on on demand from a lot of podcasts and radio interviews. And of course, you know, having that player's perspective, being in the booth, calling the game, trying to be neutral when you're when you're calling your own your home team. That's a tough job. But uh, just like Smoltzy, he's kind of built out of the same mold. Smoltzy's been a superstar in the broadcasting, and I don't think any of us that played with him are surprised. And I don't think any of Frenchie's, you know, former teammates are surprised as well that he's been able to step right in and do well. It's always great to, for him to share his time with us and and talk about kind of behind the scenes what's going on in his world. And but yeah, perfect timing from the standpoint that he's he's waiting to see where he needs to back too. So. At about midnight or one in the morning, he'll be finalizing whether he's got to put away his suitcase or or whether uh, he's got to pack up and go to San Francisco. So he's kind of on, he's kind of waiting to see, too, as well. Awesome. Well, we can't wait to see it. We had a great time chatting with him. Oh, by the way, just for another little bit of good, uh, what we call good juju or good vibes out in the atmosphere, 29 years ago today, Sid Slit. Uh, Sid Bream's slide was 29 nice. years ago today. One of the all-time great Braves postseason moments. One of the all-time great baseball postseason moments, to be honest with you. And I think this is coming off the heels of Freddie's moment the other night, which is instantly, I would say, the biggest moment of his career and going to be one of those Braves moments that we replay over and over again for decades to come, like we still do with Sid. So here's hoping that uh, we got a couple weeks more of opportunities for moments like those can't wait on instagram if you, if you haven't seen the little lone depot spot where they interviewed glab about that moment that was pretty good and i enjoyed i enjoyed watching that that had some good memories to it it's on i saw it uh, a couple hours ago it's on mlb's twitter uh braves braves twitter also retweeted that uh really good uh really good clip yeah I, that was mm. very well done it's good to uh, glad sums it uh, sums it all up pretty well i'd say <laughs> yeah he kind of chuckles about the guy being on second that we needed to score that go ahead run it's pretty, pretty good. <laughs> so go check that out but first uh check it check out our interview here with braves and tbs broadcaster jeff francoeur Jeff, welcome back to the show. Appreciate you um, being on with us. I know you got a, a really busy schedule. Things are getting excited here in Atlanta, and you're trying to figure out, like we are, 
um, who we're going to play, but you're, you're figuring out how to pack. So I know that's, that's uh, always uh, a crazy time and for your family. So we appreciate the time here, but so tell me how it's been going with you. I know what a blessing, man, to be able to, to call the, the Bravos in the first round and, now you're getting to do it again in the second round. How's that been going for you? It's been good. You know, I'll be honest, guys. It's been a challenge in the fact of, you know, I mean, you, during the season, you're used to saying Snit and Ozzy and Freddie, and now you're having to say their full names or last names. And so I think it's more than anything, it's just, you know, figuring that stuff out. And, you know, I feel I did a pretty good job during the series of being, you know, very fair to both teams, but I will tell you, having played with Freddie, known him forever, when he did hit that home run, it was it was a little tough <laughs> to control my uh, my emotions. But just, and and more than anything, just because of Freddie, I, I've known him so long, you know. And it's like it's the same thing, you know. You you play the Brewers, and Christian Yelich has been a good buddy of mine for a while, you know. And you want to see those guys do good, man. Isn't it crazy? TBS just won't go away, right? They don't do anything all year, and all of a sudden they want to do the playoffs. And we used to have them on every night. And now it just seems like we're back in the right spot, even though, um, you know, they're so far removed from baseball. What's it like in that organization working with that the group of producers and some of the other talent that you get to work with? Yeah, well, you know, one thing I love is they, they, they go out and they get a lot of people that are baseball people. So when it comes to it, it's like you don't miss a beat. And one thing I've really enjoyed is, you know, uh, Tom Heights was my producer for for the first series, you know, and, and does a great job of listening, you know, listening to what myself or Don Orsillo, you know, have or some of those guys. And we go from there. So, you know, they do a first class job when it comes to the playoffs, you know, and and like anything, it's a big you don't realize how big of a production it is until you go down there in the three or four trucks they have and see that there's about 100 people <laughs> you know, in the background and you're, you know, you're out there announcing, but everybody else is making it go. So, you know, uh, kudos to them. Jeff, I was wondering if your thoughts on just the atmosphere on Tuesday night here at Truist Park. And I've, I was sitting here thinking about it. It's like, I think I've been in the ballpark for, I don't know, somewhere in the neighborhood of a thousand games at this point. And that to me, that that Tuesday night crowd felt like the loudest, at least at a Braves game that I've ever experienced. Um, I think when Acuna hit the Grand Slam in 2018, his rookie year was probably the previous for that, just ones that I've experienced in person. How many times in your career, both on the field and in the booth, have you kind of heard that, that well, that, that it gets that loud or that energy in the ballpark? I mean, that was, even before Freddie hit his, I was I was talking to the guy next to me in the press box when the, the fans were chanting Eddie for Eddie Rosario, and he came up yeah. there and I'm like, I'm like, this is as loud as this place has gotten. This guy got here five weeks ago. It was it was awesome. <laughs> they were fantastic. And, you know, it was crazy because I didn't even think about it till I got a bunch of notes this morning, you know, starting to study uh, for the series, whether it's the Dodgers or Giants when we find out. But I think the cool thing was, was seeing, you know, I forgot that it's been 20 years since the Braves have hosted an NLCS game, you know, and you think about all the success we've had, the divisions one in between, you know, 21, obviously last year we would have, but with COVID, but before that to go 18, 19 years, it's kind of crazy to think that this place hasn't hosted. So it was as loud as I've heard a place in a long time, um, you know, but that's why it's so nice having the fans, you know, listen to Fenway Park the other night when they had those two walk-offs, 
like that's what it's all about. And, you know, uh, whether, you know, you get four games or three games in the NLCS at home, the idea that the fans are going to be able to be there, it'll be mostly all night games, which always helps. You know, that first home game was one o'clock, man. I was half asleep before the broadcast even got going. But to be able to have mostly night games, I think that's going to be even even better for the fans. What do you, uh, if putting your Braves fan cap on, what do you think is the better matchup for the Braves? I mean, I know... We can talk home and like having home field advantage and all that. But I mean, just pure matchup wise, which do you think would be the better for the Braves? Well, look, they're both so good and so talented in so many different ways. I think when you look at it, the idea that Logan Webb pitching game five would not be able to go till game three again. Not that Kevin Gosman and, and Alex Wood and those guys, you know, haven't had great years, but they're not Logan Webb. And ultimately, if you play the Dodgers, it's catch 22. You get home field advantage. But you're also facing Scherzer and Bueller in game one and two. Now, granted, we're throwing Freed and Morton, which I'll put up against anybody right now the way they're throwing. But I think it matches up a little better pitching wise um, with the Giants. But, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of guys that would love to have a piece of the Dodgers. You know, Dodgers have knocked the Braves out three of the last four years. And then, of course, the way that it happened last year in a three to one series, you know, I got to imagine they're looking for a chance at, at redemption. Well, I think that. When you look at the Giants lineup, there's, I don't know, there's just nothing that really scares me. There's nothing that I'm like, oh, if we just get past him and get past him, if we just face this pitcher and not face that pitcher, and maybe we don't know the Giants as well, or maybe they're not, they play so well as a team, as opposed to the Dodgers, it's all-star, 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 all-star. And the Giants have just had one of those magical years where they just put it all together and we got guys having career years, but I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how the guys are feeling right now, but when I look at it, we had a little success against the Giants. So you got to feel comfortable there. The Dodgers have kind of had our number and, and they seem to get up for big games. I, I don't know. I don't think there's any momentum carried either way because we, we, we definitely played well enough. Nobody expected us to be here. We're here like that. But I don't know. Do you see any sense that maybe the guys are – or you think everybody's just kind of happy to be there? Or do you think the guys are like, no, okay, we want to get these guys. We want to get the Giants or we want to get the Dodgers. You feel like there's any any momentum there either way? Yeah, I guarantee you, Greg, you remember, I guarantee if you go in that locker room, there's half the guys that probably want to play the Giants and half that want to play the Dodgers for different reasons, you know, from we want revenge to, you know, we think it's a better matchup. And, you know, ultimately, I think the Giants, the thing that they do really well that I think gets over is they mix and match. They're they're deep on the bench. You know, if you bring in a lefty, they got a really good righty stick to kind of go out there and get them too. So it reminds me of the Dodgers early on, kind of three, four, five years years ago when there was a lot of that, you know, they played a lot of different matchups. Um, they didn't have just kind of their seven, eight guys that you see kind of more now, but you know, either way, I think the good thing for the Braves is not that the Giants or Dodgers aren't going to be up for, for the game one and two early, but you might catch them a little bit after whoever wins tonight is going to be coming off a huge high. Mm. I mean, let's be honest. It, it's going to be massive. It's, if it's the Dodgers, it's going to be late at night and then they got to fly across the country tomorrow. So I look, I think the Braves really, need to get off to a good start and take advantage because them on the other hand the 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 bullpen with Matzik Jackson guys that need rest I mean they threw four out of five days in stressful innings you know so they're going to get plenty of rest mm -hmm. and when they if say the Dodgers come into Atlanta you you really kind of need to get after it early on them and, and kind of make them you know maybe before they wake up a little bit too <laughs> well I mean let's talk about the elephant in the room we know Major League Baseball 
wants the Red Sox and the Dodgers, right? That would be a dream come true. Do you feel like that they're always trying to find a way to stick it to you, whether they don't like us being the Braves or or whether they don't like our our chance or whether they don't like us because we're not sexy enough. But I mean, just like on that foul ball, I was in, going out of my mind on this replay stuff. Like, what do you mean it's not reviewable because it's not in the field of play? You know, I mean, what did you get from the booth up there? Because to me, it just seemed like another instant where New York was just saying, you know what, we're going to stick at these guys because we don't want them there. Yeah, well, Jeff Kellogg, I, I feel bad for the umpires, Greg, to be honest with you. And Rick, I mean, when you think about it, Jeff Kellogg came right over to us. He's the supervisor for the umpires on the thing. And we were trying to figure it out. And he came. He, he was awesome. He came right over and said, look, it's not reviewable. It's not before the thing. And, but I love what he said. He kind of looked at it and said, I don't love it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like, Right. Like I, and, and you feel bad because here the umpire just stand out there getting booed. Yeah. And Alfonso Marquez, I'm sure, wants to go over to Snit and say, look, I get it, man. The ball is dropped, but there's nothing I can do. And I think that's why you saw him go over to talk to Snit. And I, I'm sure what he said was, this sucks, but it's not reviewable. Yeah. And there's nothing nothing I can do about it. And, you know, it, I mean, it was clear. We showed it three, four times, five times on the broadcast. You know, the first or second time if you see it's full motion, you think, God, did it tip his glove and nip in? And then when you really sl- slowed it down, you could see it hit the edge of the glove and the, the dirt at the same time. But that's one of those things that I guarantee you now next year with the new collective bargaining agreement, I bet you that's going to be a rule that you, <laughs> you can challenge. And, uh, you know, of course, well, everybody wants that, you know, those teams. But I think the great thing about baseball is the parity that you're getting and some of the stuff, like it or not, it's not always the big market teams making the pushes anymore. And, you know, when you talk about sexy enough, I mean, I look at Ozzy Albies, Freddie, Austin, uh, Riley, what they're doing. I mean, those are some big names right now coming out. It's not to me, you know, that, that you don't have the names. I think it's just like, again, the market, you know, drives everything. Sure. And, you know, a lot of times you would seen in the past that all the umpires would get together and kind of collaborate. Maybe it's not reviewable, but they could ask for help. Right. And I don't yeah. think that happened. No, but that's, t- you know, think about the angle that those guys had before out there. I mean, honestly, the only umpire that had to have any look at it was the home plate umpire, Tony. Right. Randall. Yeah, and, that's fair. And like I said, and that's not this. Think about this, Greg. When you slowed it down, saw the replay the first two times, it kind of made play tricks on your eyes for a second. And then the third time I remember we really slowed it down. Then you're like, mm-hmm. okay, it hit the ground, no doubt. So, you know, like I said, I, I hate it for the umpires because, I mean, our fans were booing. <laughs> they so got hammered. Great fans are going off on it. <laughs> they're out there going, what do you want us to do? We can't do about it. Bring that guy from New York. Have him sit yeah, down and what here. They were actually, what they, went, what they went and checked real quick when they did, I guess the umpires knew it wasn't reviewable. What they were checking is that the ball didn't hit the net. Because remember, mm, he kind of yeah. went with the net. I did hear that. I did hear that. Um, so, but yeah, that was what a mess. <laughs> Well, uh, speaking of SNIT, I know that the, there's a lot of folks that are one of the prevailing thoughts out there these days is that managers really aren't making that many decisions anymore, that a lot of decisions are predetermined by the front office. And maybe that's the case. I don't know the ins and outs of how it works here with the Braves, but I will say this, if something goes wrong based on a manager's decision, the manager gets the credit for the mistake. So I'm going to give SNIT the credit for all the, the right choices that were made. Do you think you've watched, obviously you've you've broadcast so many Braves games here the last few years that, that SNIT's been the manager. To me, this series maybe is his best managerial work that I've seen in terms of I felt like every button he pushed 
was the right one. I know there were some folks that were trying to say after the fact in game one, when I left, I don't even want to hear that. I don't either. I don't either. I I disagree. They can shove it. If they think. (laughs) I I completely agree. Um, So to me, I just look at it like every, even, even say things that didn't work out. Like, you know, did not have a great outing, but everybody in the ballpark on Twitter, wherever you were, was saying, this is the spot where we knew coming into that game, it should be Charlie. And then hopefully you get some innings out of Enoa. It didn't work. It was still, yeah, but it was still the right move to make. So, in your opinion, have you how how brilliant was Snit during this series? Is really the I thought he I thought he was great. I thought Alex said something great. He was talking about the other day. I heard him on radio where he said, you know, look, he's the one that's got to stand up there during the press conference and make the decisions. Now I know for a fact, you know, when it comes to who's starting a lot of times during the season, the call up guy. I know a lot of the front office goes into that, and and for good reason because if you think about it, Snit's grinding with his team. These guys got more of a pulse on what's going on in AAA and who's been throwing well, who hasn't. But with that being said, I thought Snit did a great job during that series. I thought he he pitched all the guys that he needed when he needed it. I think we we kept saying going into game four that the, the one probably weak part, if you get to the Braves, is that middle part of the pen is you just don't know what you're getting. They, they're very capable of going out there and doing it. And I thought what A.J. Mentor did was big because I think A.J. Mentor is a guy – if you play the Dodgers with the left-handed, with the left, some of the left-handers they got, obviously Muncy's out now, but still with some of the left-handers they got, you kind of need him. If he can throw like that in the sixth, fifth, sixth inning in some of those games, because you got to figure, look, Morton and Freed, you're, you, they, they, I believe they're going to give you six. I do. So you can kind of mix and match after that. It's that game three with Ian, if he gets in a little trouble in the fifth. And then, of course, that game four, we imagine is going to be a bullpen game. Obviously, you're not going to bring – Freed back on three days rest, you know, in, in a seven game series. So I think that's going to be the key, those guys to step up. But I thought Brian did a great job. And, you know, I'm sure like anything, you know, it, more more postseason series you manage, the more you kind of get what you want to do, what you don't want to do. And, you know, there look, there's plenty of decisions we all during the year. And I've called him and talked to him before about this. You know, why'd you do this? You know, and he'll tell me to <laughs> shut up right away. Let me tell you. <laughs> you know? and, uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I think he he makes a lot of good decisions mm-hmm. and and ones that he's okay to live with. Well, I mean, that, that dude's been around the game so long. I don't nothing surprises him. I will say this: we're not many people are talking about what happened to Solaire and how critical that was. Think about what he's done from an on base percentage, for starting rallies, big hits, just being at the right place at the right time. Uh, I mean that that could have been disastrous. Yeah. And, and you know what, Greg, I, I, I hate to say it, that one game kind of overshadowed it because you won, but I really do think you're going to notice it a little bit in this next series. I, yeah. you have I mean, to- everything gets exposed in seven games, right? Yep. And the way he was swinging the bat. And I said it, and I think the, the second time through the lineup, all of a sudden our eighth hole hitter came up with first and second, a chance to score. That would have been Dansby in that situation. Yeah. So so you just, you mess the lineup. Now, the one good thing I will say it's coming out is his jock swinging the bat. So for his mm-hmm. sake, you can play jock and Rosario in the outfield now, and you feel pretty good about it. But I do think the way Soler was taking pitches and seeing stuff, it, it's a hole. Yeah. And, you know, just think about everybody for such a long period of time. Guys have been, you know, Dan's being in the sixth spot, Dan's being in the seventh spot, you know, where I can't remember exactly where he's hitting, but Solaire's in the first. And then everything was stacked up the same way. And all of a sudden, you know, you hitters, you get a little sensitive, right? You want to be in the same spot, thinking the yep. same way. 
And then I thought, well, just plug Jock into the front, the first hole, and then you don't have to move anybody else. Yeah. But, you know, they move things around. I thought, oh, man, I wonder how that's going to work. And yeah. So no, the anyway, good news was, the good news was, I think, two through seven, they kept it the same, at least. And they moved Dansby and put Heredia back there. So I, I think it, yeah. at least you got a little of that continuity going. But but definitely, it was a big deal, man. Hour and a half for game four, that's not easy. And, and you feel yeah. for him. Yeah, I mean, that's what, you know, I think is lost in it. Solaire having a great year, comeback year when he gets to the Braves, and then this, mm. and it's like, man, you hate it for him. I do wonder, you you touched on mentor there, talked about the way Jock swing in the bat. Are there some guys, and this is for both of you, are there some guys that just when that, that when the calendar turns to October and the pressure is the greatest, they, they're just able to turn it on just like that? Because I know, especially with AJ, it's a limited sample size, but that game that he started last year against the Dodgers and went, I can't remember, three or four innings out of nowhere and yeah. was just lights out. Are there some guys that, that just have that that ability that they can just kind of flip a switch in October? Well, I think there's definitely guys that that have a way to compartmentalize and and almost treat it like a regular season at bat. And that that's that's huge. If you can find a way to bring yourself down to calm yourself. And I mean, look, if you've talked to Jock, you get the idea that, I mean, not much rattles him. I mean, the guy's rocking, you know, a necklace full of pearls every day. You know, I mean, if you're, if you're confident to do that, I got to believe you're confident to go up and hit a fastball and not care. So, you know, I, I think it's a, it's a huge strength. And look, he's been there. You know, I think that's one thing that hasn't been talked about is, you know, he's, he's just a straight year in the playoffs. So, I mean, this guy has very, very, you know, ex- a lot of experience going through this. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's an interesting thing because you cannot pay for that. I mean, that is just something once you have that experience, it just, it just helps bleed over. You're a world champion. You know, you're, you, you've been there. You, you kind of, he kind of grew up in it. So now he's kind of, and then plus his personality just makes it. And, and we know that some, some pitchers, they play better in the, in the, uh, in the playoffs because of their style of pitching, right? High fastballs, like mentor, four seamers, he throws hard. It just seems to play well in, in bursts as opposed to over a long period of, you know, of a season where you're used day in and day out. Power pitching, you know, Greg, power pitching in the postseason, man, you, you're very, if you throw 90, boy, you better hit spots because you have very little room for mistakes. Yeah. Not saying you yeah. can't do it because we've seen people do it, but there's you got to be a special pitcher to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, buddy, we appreciate you joining us. This has been great. Um, best of luck. We know you'll do a good job. You've already been doing a great job. We've been enjoying listening to you. So uh, go pack and uh, go Braves and let's, let's bring it home. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Always a pleasure. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Hey, Braves country. We just wanted to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe Behind the Braves on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or at braves.com slash behind the Braves, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you, and we'll see you next time on Behind the Braves.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.